Welcome to Our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. We are capable of healing in mind, in body, and in soul. Today's episode is brought to you by CFS School, founded by Jen Mann and Cardin Rabin. If you're not familiar with Jen and Cardin, check out episode 119, where I pick their brains and hear about their personal health and healing journeys and discover how CFS School was birthed. CFS School, it is a nervous system healing program, including an integrative brain retraining approach, polyvagal therapeutics, trauma resolution techniques, such as somatic experiencing tools, inner child work, and parts work. It's designed to help guide you, support you, and empower you on your self-healing journey to heal from a variety of mind-body disorders, some including chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, POTS, autoimmune disorders, sensitivities, and more. There is a self-study program that's perfect for people who want to go at their own pace. However, if you're someone who wants more guidance and live support, the live cohort program is perfect for you. The next cohort begins at the end of June and signups are available now. They will fill up fast. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, book your free discovery call today. Links are in the show notes. Our guest today is back for round two. Some of you might remember Bria Griffiths coming on a while back to share her incredible testimonial story. Bria went from living in the desert with nothing to avoid her laundry list of triggers to now living an abundant, healthy, vibrant, and happy life. Her story is such an inspiration. And if you don't recall listening to that episode, it is one I highly encourage you to go back and give a listen to. You will not be disappointed. She is now a coach. She helps support other people on their healing journey through a faith-based approach to rewiring and more. Bria joins us today to answer some of your questions that were submitted, as well as some of the more common questions that she gets regularly from her clients. Please enjoy. Yay. So I'm welcoming Bria back for round two. Welcome, Bria. Thanks so much, Taz. I'm so, so grateful to be here and yeah, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I Gosh, I still remember the first chat we had. That was really impactful for me. I know that there was a lot of feedback that people really enjoyed that episode. And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, that was almost already like a year and a half or almost two years ago. It's crazy how much time wow. flies. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, if you missed Bria's first episode, I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes. So you guys can click on that and tune in where you will hear her actual recovery story. But today we're going to actually dig into some questions that we got from listeners. Is that cool? Yeah. I'm really excited for this. Yes. Go for it. Okay. So awesome. So I'm going to just kind of start out with the questions we got from listeners and then we'll go from there. Sure. So question one. Uh, This was somebody who actually listened to our first episode. She said, in one of your interviews, you said you never get sick. Is this still the case? And how are you able to avoid it? Yeah, I love that question. So I actually, I think that a lot of people might get frustrated with me because generally I would say that I don't, I still don't get sick. I have had the odd sniffle for maybe like a day or two. But honestly, physically, in terms of sickness, and when I mean sickness, I'm talking about, you know, acute viruses, I think that's probably what this person is referring to, like, how do you avoid it in terms of immune system strength, I think that's the way that I'm interpreting the question. And I actually have found that my immune system has just only gotten stronger, and stronger, the more that I've walked in the health that I have. Now, I had one day where one of my kids I can't remember if it was COVID because he did have COVID at one point or if it was something I thought maybe it was COVID. And I know that my ex also had gotten sick, but I was like, oh, I'm not getting sick. And then one day I did wake up just kind of like hit like with a, that Mack truck feeling. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I was like, this sucks. So I did have that for, for about a day, but that's, that was maybe a year ago or so. But honestly, I actually, my immune system has been incredibly, incredibly strong. And the way that I see it is that the more that I'm, well, centered on uh, changing my beliefs, 
Because I really, truly believe that your immune system is when you're in rest and digest and you're operating in this internal feast, that your immune system is not going to respond to the things that are coming at you. You can't avoid the pathogens or whatever is trying to come at you. But when you're in a good place, you don't have to be perfect, but when you're in a good place, that your body's really going to just kind of let these things pass through. So I've had challenges. I've been challenged with what I believe. I've had things try to come at me, but I've been able to use, honestly, my own incremental training that I even did when I was healing. I did this. I actually incrementally trained on exposing myself when my kids had symptoms, when they come home. And I was working on rewiring to let go. And these things would just start to pass through me. And the more that I've done it and had those opportunities come up, you know, I I can't control when they come, but when they've come, I found it actually a bit of a challenge for a moment, but then I'm able to get beyond that pretty quickly. And I feel a lot more confident now. Like if my kids come home with something, there's not this fear of, uh uh-oh, am I going to get it? It's just more like, okay, it's going through the house. So yeah, it's been pretty, pretty astounding, to be honest. Wow. That's really yeah. cool. Okay. So you actually did incremental training. I'm trying to imagine this. So you actually yeah. created this in your head, this image of your kid coming home and having a virus or being sick and you not getting sick. Correct. Like, was that a visualization you did? I did that a bit. Like I would tuck in that, like in a visualization that one of mm-hmm. my kids has come home, they're coughing. Because to be honest, as I was healing in the journey, I remember this where my kids would come home with something and immediately I would start to take on their symptoms. And it was like, no, come on. But then because I have 50-50 custody with my kids, I'd notice that like they'd leave and I could rewire a lot easily or easily and get out of those symptoms when they weren't around me. And I was like, huh. So, and I also truly ultimately came down to beliefs because I truly believe that your body's immune system is what's responding to the pathogen. So it's not so much about, oh, this pathogen being so bad. I get that there are pathogens. I'm not trying to bring it down, but I really had to change my belief around that. And it helped me a lot to be able to be like, okay, now I'm going to expose myself and I'm going to eat a little piece of toast that one of my kids is, you know, just was eating that and they've got a sniffle and then I'd be rewiring around that. Yeah, I did it over time. Each time I actually was able to get stronger and not succumb to um, my body trying to go down that pathway. Because that's very much, if someone has ME-CFS, a lot of what you're going through is feeling very, very flu-like, very, you know, very sick in that sense. And so I could see in my past, I'm like, that's been my pattern. That's what my body knows. And I always saw it still as this maladaptive stress response. Interesting. This is so awesome. The power of belief is really freaking important because I can remember before my perfect storm, before, you know, anything where I felt all the heaviness of all these symptoms. And I do know that that's where fear kind of set in, especially having the Mm -hmm. fatigue and then overdoing it just a little bit and then getting that, those sick feelings that you were talking about, the flu-like symptoms. Prior to all that, I remember years and years and years ago, I read this article And I don't know why, but this article, I just really believed it. It was like, oh, the best thing to do when you feel like the onset of a cold or you know you've been exposed to somebody who is sick is to just get out and like not do intense exercise, but take a brisk walk, breathe in fresh air and just move your body and sweat and detox. And it hit me and I was like, that's brilliant. And so I decided to believe that. And so I had decided... I don't get sick. That was my belief. I don't get sick. And anytime I thought that I was exposed, that's what I did. And I didn't get sick for years and years and years. And I worked in a nightclub and I was dealing with so much, you know, cash, which is dirty and dirty dishes and all this stuff all the time. And I never for like, gosh, like eight years didn't get sick once. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So it's funny we're talking about this because... I've noticed how much more I've become afraid of getting sick now. Mm. And because I guess post-perfect storm, the implications are a little different. And I've been thinking about how could I get back to that old belief because it was so strong and it obviously worked because I didn't get sick. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I would say with the tension with this is that what we're saying is truth, but there's also people can take that and then they start to apply it in their heads and they push and they get to the point of an extreme 
because you can always go to an extreme that just it really just unravels. And then you start to get into ignoring and overriding, which is what I know I did as well. And so I was constantly pushing through and ignoring whether it was fear or just ignoring my body. And so there's such a tension to all of this. And ultimately, I had to realize, like, for me, obviously, the Bible has been such a big piece. And Proverbs 18, 21, that says, as a man thinks in his heart, therefore he is. And the Bible also, Jesus even says, like, listen, basically, if you can believe and not doubt, like, you can have what you say. And so I had to understand in this process that, like, there is a place for, yes, believing, but you can't just believe in your head. It has to be in your heart. And heart belief, or if you want to call it subconscious belief, however you want to see it, is something that really takes time to hone and cultivate. And it's a continual process that we want to refine and come back to. So we can't just like make a statement and it might work for a while, but we have to continue to cultivate and come back and be willing to put in the the time and the intention with that heart belief as challenges come up against that heart belief. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Because I mean, then it's really an embodied belief. Exactly. Exactly. Embodied belief. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. It's interesting too, because something I've also learned is a lot of times if you think, again, going back to that, like if you really do believe that every germ is contagious and then you know that somebody brings a germ into your house and you're like, oh my God, and you get like anxiety yeah. or fear yeah. or you think, oh my gosh, now I'm going to get sick. Like that all plays a role in how our body responds. Oh, 100%. But interestingly, many people who have been very strong-willed people in the past, many people who have gotten into some of these illnesses have been very persistent and very um, disciplined in their mind. I know I was. And again, we go back to your subconscious is not your conscious brain. And so you can tell yourself you're not afraid. You can act like you're not afraid. But what's really happening beneath the surface, you're not always aware of. And so that's like a piece where that's why brain retraining is so powerful because we're getting into these deeper layers that sometimes we don't even know are there. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. This is good. I'm going to move on to question two. This is a simple one. I think (laughs) do visualizations alone heal you from ME CFS? Oh man. Okay. So (laughs) I guess it's simple, but it also can be complicated, but I would say that visualizations alone, can they heal you? The answer I'm going to always go with is it's possible. But, you know, if you're really, really sinking in in your heart to visualizations where you're seeing yourself through the power of your imagination, healthy and whole, it will come with corresponding thoughts, behaviors and actions that line up with those visualizations. So you really aren't able to just say, oh, I'll just do these visualizations and I'll get there someday. Sure, there's a power to that because it's going to change your subconscious, but you are going to step into situations that are going to challenge you no matter what you visualize. You can visualize and you can prepare your heart for a new situation to see yourself healthy and whole, climbing a mountain, whatever it is. But if you go out and you start to take steps towards doing that, that you're going to be challenged and you're going to have to do other things along the way to respond in the way that you want to go. And so that's where the rubber really meets the road is in the actual behavioral program being adjusted or you're changing your habits along the way as well. And that can be a very, very tough road for people when they're seeing things and they're really believing things. And secondly, with visualizations, your visualizations, there's so much depth to what you can do in visualizations, right or wrong. And I know I've walked in this journey enough to know that like, if you're visualizing something, and you're either you're not seeing it clearly, or there's like a longing or a desperation for it, or just like it's it's sometimes it's backfiring. So there's a lot of nuance to saying, sure, can visualizations just heal you? It's going to go a long way if it's done properly. But there needs to be some sort of corresponding action and change that's happening in thought behavior, thoughts, behaviors, and emotion with it. Ooh, okay. I really love how you highlighted, yeah, the changing of the habits along the way because yeah. 
You know, I think this happens sometimes where we do this brain retraining and we do all these visualizations, but we aren't changing the habits. And so it's like almost like where we want so badly to just get rid of our symptoms so that we can go back and live a life the way we did without realizing that we can't do that because the way Mm -hmm. we lived our life before is what got us sick. So we have to like actually step into something new. If I do all this healing work, but then I go back into pressure and perfectionism and pushing myself and always feeling this undertone of urgency and adrenaline, of course, I'm going to end up with Mm. symptoms Mm. again because I went right back into my old patterns. But to actually change the habits through this process and to like go out into the world and live life in a new way is what I think is going to create that lasting change. Yeah, I have to say this because I think knowing what I know about the tension between everything is like what ends up happening a lot of times is people see that and like, okay, I have to change. And then they go into the opposite. Okay, well, I can't, I'm an overachiever. This was me. I'm an overachiever. So that means I need to chill out and I need to just like let go. And I became afraid of achieving because now that was associated with a stress response. And I didn't understand that this tension that I could live in where I can be this high functioning, achieving person, and yet still have this internal peace that I'm in rest that I'm operating from. So I just, I say that because some people will go one swing, one extreme to the other. And that is a part of this journey because it is ultimately, you probably will do that in your journey of going one extreme to the other. And then we can start to calm and refine into this middle zone where we're not getting, we're catching ourselves going into those ditches sooner, faster, and we can come into this tension between the two where we, yes, we can absolutely have seasons where we're kind of going hard, but there's also this place for slowing down and being patient and, you know, just enjoying life a little more, spending a little more time on self-care, self-love, that kind of stuff. I love this. I'm Bria. I'm literally like laughing at myself as you explain that because I was like thinking story of my life. (laughs) I'm like one of those people. I have to go from one extreme to the other to find my way to the middle. I literally just had this conversation with a mentor about how... I was pre-perfect storm so, so overly disciplined and overly rigid and overly routined and how I've fallen off the deep end because I went to the far opposite extreme to the point that Mm. I've literally become terrified of any Mm. routine or any Mm. kind of like commitments or discipline. And I was literally just telling her, I have to find my way back to the middle because I know there's beauty and structure, but I've just gotten so far away from it. I literally, oh my gosh. It it definitely takes time. Yeah. I was like, why? (laughs) Yeah. And the last I would say is like, you can do this in your own will or you can do this for me it's through really god showing me like let me lead you it's going to be gentle when you let me be the one to lead you and so that means i spend a lot more time focusing on my relationship with god and letting him love me and how special i am to him this is for everyone not just me and the more that that happens i feel safer i feel more at peace with not knowing outcomes i feel more at peace with the journey of you know what, I'm going to get in some ditches along the way. And I'm not trying to manipulate or control which direction and what the steps are that I'm going to take. Like that's something that most humans want is we want steps and we want to know the formula. And then we go out and we have an outcome we want. And then we start to calculate, especially many of us who've been very analytical, we try to calculate what are the steps that I'm going to take to get there. And everything that I've learned through the Bible and my relationship with God so often he just doesn't give you <laughs> that information. He's like, take this step. And now you're going to have to trust me as we go. And so I know a big part of my long-term health has been focusing on trusting God with the unknown in my future and being okay with where I'm at. And then he can guide me to the next thing that might look totally different than anything that I've ever gone through before. And I need to trust that He's got this infinite creativity to take me where he wants to take me. And so I can't put him in a box. 
And that's where it just starts to blow a lot of people up because they just want a formula. And we can start there. But if you really want real freedom in the end, we have to be okay with letting go. And that's so much of the brain retraining process is letting go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so it's cool that you're bringing this up right now because it's kind of divine timing because the third question that maybe maybe you've already kind of answered but you might expand upon is how do you balance your practice, meaning how do you balance what's in your control versus where you trust God to heal? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So I would say for the most part that your incremental training should be focused on letting go of control and giving that over to God. If you've been somebody who's focused on control, I think control is, uh, I don't want to say a misnomer, but it's this misconception that we can somehow be above everything and have everything in its little packaged little perfection. And it just breeds that sense of self power, self will. And then when things don't pan out, we end up just kind of like, condemning ourselves, feeling like a failure, like we can't ever get there. So I don't know how to answer that question other than to say that trusting God to heal is an active thing that you should focus on that is in your control, how much you're willing to focus on that and focus on your relationship. Again, trust, loxytocin is the trust hormone. That is actually biology that I learned at Princeton. (laughs) Just like the one piece of my education. I studied um, ecology and evolutionary biology for four years there before I ever, because I was an atheist before I um, ever came to know Jesus. And the trust hormone is that oxytocin that gets poured out when mom and when baby is born in all mammals. And then they have this intense bonding. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can actually allow It's at your discretion, your choice, how much you're going to come let God be a part intimately in your life. And from there, the trust starts to just come and you start to, I mean, you start to get more hope. You start to see more clearly. So that ultimately is in your control when you're, how much you're willing to focus on that. What our responsibility is, I like to think of it in terms of what's our responsibility versus God's. And responsibility, someone said this once and I liked it, is responding to his ability. And if you don't know his ability, if you don't know who he is, it's going to be like grasping at straws, trying to just believe in your own, I don't know, whatever image of whatever you think God is. But if you come to him and let him show you who he is and who you are to him, then you are going to respond to his ability and it's going to start to come together where it's like a, you start to work in tandem together where he's showing you something, you respond. He's showing you something, you respond. So that's kind of my answer to that one. I love it. Okay. I have a question, a follow-up. You said... One thing to do is to do incremental training around letting go of control. Could you give a concrete example of what that would look like? Sure. Well, I always start with telling people, you don't always have to prepare everything in your heart through visualizations, but it's certainly if it's something that you're struggling to overcome, you're definitely going to want to put it in your visualizations before you concretely start to do it in the real world here. And so working on situations like here's an example that I did with my brother where I was just imagining myself out with him and then I'm just letting him decide oh let's go here for lunch or let's do this and I was cultivating that sense of I just feel open and trusting and adventurous and I'm looking forward to because you know my controlling was like well no I needed to go with this this is the way it has to happen like I can't I don't know if I can do this and then do this or you know whatever is kind of going on in the back of my mind So I was challenging those beliefs, those old beliefs, that old program, and be like, you know what? I'm just going to let this go. So I would start to open my heart in visualizations in that meditative state where you're, again, I always talk about God's love because I really think ultimately it just washes so much. Well, it does. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And a lot of this that we're dealing with is fear, which is stress. So doing that first, and then you can start to step into some of these situations. What I found was... um, because you don't want it to be in your control, I kind of had to wait for opportunities 
after having done a few of these visualizations where someone's saying, hey, let's do this. Or how about doing it this way or something coming in and interrupting the schedule of my day. And now my heart was primed. You hold on a second. How would I like to respond in this situation? Because I could tell this is triggering me. This is not the way that, you know, I was expecting my day to go. This is the plan that I had. God bless it. And, um, and so then I would take that opportunity and take maybe a moment of like, step away, maybe even just spend a bit of time talking to God or doing a little visualization if I needed to. And I go, okay, I'm going to let go. I'm going to go this way. And then as you're doing that, you're going to catch all the things that are telling you this was a bad idea. Nope, shouldn't have done that. See, this is why this is happening. Can you really trust this person? And you're going to say, you know what? This is the decision that I'm making right now. And, and it's much easier to stay in that open, relaxed place. And you start to see at the end of the day, I'm going to look for what's good in this different situation, this new situation. And I'm going to see it as an opportunity to build new neural synapses, synapses because new experiences and learning new things create new neural networks. And so I'm actually building my brain, a new brain, a new program as I do this. So those would be some of the things that I would be saying to myself in the midst of it. Usually, to be honest, it was so cool because like I had almost that exact thing happen with my brother and we we're out somewhere and he actually bought my kids and I lunch and then he wanted to go to this one place. And I was like, I really, I had already imagined let's go over here. And I let go. We followed him. And we had just this amazing afternoon around this fountain. And it was just, a, it was a beautiful thing. And I felt like my heart was open to receive it instead of trying to sit there and be like, am I okay? Is this going to be okay? I was just open. I was like, wow, I can see life in this moment that I'm in. So that's how I did it. And it took time because you don't want to condemn yourself that you're, <laughs> you're stuck and not able to get there yet. You just got to trust that as I consciously make this decision, to let go in the situation or to be more trusting and open, I'm signaling my subconscious brain basically that it's time to heal and let go and that it opens the floodgates for this to start to happen. And just making that choice, if you believe it in your heart that by making that choice that you're starting a new pathway and that God can, the Bible says, build roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, that it can start to happen. It's like a light bulb goes off and it's like, okay, okay, I'm on a learning process and it can start to grow from there. So that's a short answer. <laughs> no, I love it. So basically what you're saying is, because if control is one of our issues, we all have different areas of our life that we want to control. So yes. you're saying, I'm going to think of an area in my life that I tend to be aware of wanting to have control. And then I start yes. with visualizing myself with a different outcome, like releasing the control. Mm -hmm. And then I take opportunities in real life to now practice it, incrementally train and practice by choosing a different response. Because it sounds like your brother's story, what you wanted to do was have control of the outcome of the day and where right. you went and you wanted to go where you thought was the right place to go. And instead choosing to like let that go and do what his suggestion was and do the unknown and feel safe yeah and feel safe like a lot of what we go through in these healing journeys is so many things just feel unsafe and we want to feel safe and so when you have a known predicted imaginary kind of expectation that feels safe to you and when that gets upended and now you're going on someone else's vision or something or or whatever it is and that can feel scary to somebody who's walking out of one of these journeys and feels like they don't have all the information because mm -hmm. we love information to be able to feel in control of something. It was definitely a journey, but it, it's been a very, very powerful one. And I don't know how I could do it without trusting ultimately in a very loving God who's watching over me, who knows my every thought, who knows the number of hairs on my head. And that's always been such a main stronghold or anchor point for me to be able to let go little by little. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So speaking of God, we have another question pertaining to faith and healing. If you could please address faith and healing in mm. this capacity, 
the person says God's way is immediate versus brain retraining is a long process. So he or she finds themselves waffling between desiring Mm. and believing for instant healing, but then being disappointed and feeling like there's something wrong with them and then settling for brain retraining, but being frustrated with the time that it takes. Well, if that's the place this specific person is at, I know you're listening, I would say let go of instant healing because it is frustrating you and it's making you feel like you're doing something wrong. And that's just going to turn into just a self-fulfilling prophecy of condemnation and, and fear and then disappointment in God and all these things. So, because I went through this myself, once I got a hold and really believed like, wow, God heals instantaneously. Look at all these amazing testimonies of people who've healed instantaneously. And you so desire to be out of the situation that your body is in. I mean, who doesn't? And now you're trying really hard to get there. And that's not trusting confidence. That's trying to work or force something. So I would say you want to learn over time to find this place of contentment. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you want to find the contentment with the spirit and the word, which means that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and that he's guiding you and, and with the word. And so not looking for some magnificent supernatural thing to just happen. If it happens, it happens. Don't not believe in that. But I would say it's really, really, really preventing you from walking out a beautiful, victorious journey with God. If you won't just accept that this is okay, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. And it is a learning process. And that's okay. And actually, there's like one instance in the Bible where Jesus heals a man by the first time he think he I don't know exactly what he did to the man, but he was I don't know if he put his hands on his his eyes, but the man was blind. And then he started to be able to kind of see the people, but they were like after the first time, like, but they were like trees. And then Jesus, I don't know if he laid his hands on his, him again. I forget exactly where this is, but he did something again. And then the man's vision came back. So even with Jesus, we see that there are times that, that it didn't happen just like that. And then the Bible also says that we lay our hands, like he's given us the power to heal others and we can lay on our hands on people and they shall recover. And sometimes that is a journey. And last point I would say that really helped me was one of my favorite um, ministers on healing is Andrew Womack. And he has such amazing faith. He's is literally his son has been raised from the dead. We were just talking tremendous, miraculous things that God has done through him and his ministry. And I know people personally, because I've gone to his Bible college that have seen tremendous miracles. And for him, this man who's been walking in this knowing and believing for 50 years, he ended up with something on his ear and it didn't go away for like five years. And he just kept believing and trusting God that, and eventually it it came off. People kept telling him it was like a tumor. He had a doctor on his committee, whatever. But it really helped me to be like, see, even somebody who's got such deep roots in believing and trusting in God still didn't get an immediate manifestation. So I'm going to let go and I'm just going to walk this out and trust God in my journey right now, not compared to other people. I have two thoughts that I was thinking about as I read the question and listened to your answer. One is I think that when we yeah, push for like an instant healing, it's like we have such a limited scope of what the big picture is in this whole world and what's happening. We can't only yes. see through our small, tiny, itty bitty little lens. And the thing is, is what if we needed to go through the long process? What if we were so far away from being aligned to our truth or what God really wanted for us? And he knew that we needed to go through the long process, that instant healing wouldn't actually serve us. It's right. like, we can't know that. We can't know those things. And the other thing I thought about was, that story, and I know I'm going to mess it up so you can, you'll, you'll probably know it and you can correct me, but I feel like it was like where this person's like out and they're about to drown and they're praying to God, like, save me, God, save me. And like, then all of a sudden, like this boat comes and they throw out a raft and they oh, deny yeah. it. And then they offer him yes. a ride and they deny yes. it. And then they're like, why didn't you save me? And he's yeah. like, but I sent you a raft and yes. I sent you a boat. And I said, like, yeah. I, and, and I think that's, right? Like, I'm like, yeah. that's maybe he sent yes. you brain retraining. Maybe he sent you these tools. Maybe he sent you this capacity to use these tools, you know, to sustain this process to get whatever you needed to get on the other side. Yeah, no, that's very, that's a very valid point. And I think it's, um, 
something that I think many of us have, when you see other people who've seen, had instant manifestations of healing, it's kind of like, well, why not me? Why is this my process? And there's such a tension there because I would say God hates sickness. He absolutely hates sickness, but he's only able to work with us with where we're at. And so often, most of the time, we don't realize it. We're the ones subconsciously rejecting. I'm always going to go back to love because I don't think any, well, I know that nobody has an ultimate understanding of how loved they are by God. It's something that surpasses knowledge is what the Bible says. We're to pray to know the depth, the height, the length, the width of his love. And we reject the, we resist it because we feel unworthy. We don't, we don't know how to receive that kind of unconditional love. And what happens is we're not operating in that fear, stress. And so we're ultimately the ones who are resisting. We just don't even realize that we're doing it. And that's what's so cool about brain retraining is that we get to now get deeper in this meditative state, in these visualizations where we start to let go subconsciously and I'll start to just receive like a sponge what God wants us to have. Awesome. Okay. I think that they're going to be happy with this answer. <laughs> Hopefully. I hope so. Question five. What were your days like while you were retraining? This is a really specific to you, but the person said, how many hours of retraining yeah. did you do? How did you feel the good feelings while you were doing visualizations? Yeah. And did you have a one-on-one -on -one coach to support you? Okay. So I will start with the last question, which is I did not have a one-on-one -on -one coach, except for, I believe the Bible and the Holy Spirit were my coach. My days Okay, first, don't compare to me because everyone's journey is going to look different and my days look different. Again, no formulas. You can start there, but ultimately you got to be willing to break outside the box and change things up in different phases of your healing journey. But my ultimate goal was to never turn this into a make work project or a Bria needs to get herself healed project, which I see a lot of people do. So I never, I don't say I didn't allow myself, but I very much was like, I'm learning to live life again. And so part of living life again is living life. And I'm not going to spend all my time doing visualizations to try and get something to happen. So I was like, okay, an hour of my practice a day was standard. And there were very few days that I went above and beyond that. I had some days where I was triggered and I would, or I would do some other things throughout the day. I mean, I was constantly given what I went through and a hard swing that I was making in such a profound way, I was in it. Like I was in the drink, so to speak, in terms of incrementally training, going from the desert to home, going from atheist to Jesus. All of these things were hard swings in my life. And I was like, like constantly vying for air throughout my day. It was not an easy process. So I wouldn't, but I knew not to get myself bogged down in constantly working on myself because then I was uh, reaffirming there's a problem and that I need healing versus I need to start a new life. And I know that it's going to be a learning process and I have these tools now to support me. So I didn't do things like laughter yoga. I didn't do a lot of these other modalities to help along the way to support myself because I was like, I need to spend time cultivating joy and peace and love in the world that God has given me and the circumstances that I'm in. So I don't know if that's a sufficient answer, but how do I feel the good feelings while doing visualizations? I went through periods in the journey where absolutely I was numb, 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 numb. Like that's a very scary place to be because then you're just scared of feeling numb. And that's like all you feel is numbness or fear and hopelessness. And that was a very, very difficult place to be in. And so I figured out though that I can't force this to come and it only made it worse because now I'm like clawing at trying to get good feelings to come and you put that as a roadblock in your healing to say uh oh I can't heal because I can't feel anything I literally did that and it was like everything was falling apart if I was like uh oh and I had to stop that immediately and be like no and that literally came in where I said god I just have to trust you that what I am doing is enough it was a choice that I made and I just said, I'm going to do one thing. And all I know with my God, how big he is, is that if I just open the door a crack, that he's here to blow the whole thing wide open and that he'll make a way. And he did ultimately when I just said, like, 
I trust that your love is so big. You're so much bigger than all this. And I'm going to have to just continue to work on just one little thing that I can do. And then over time, the emotions started to come out for me, especially during worship. Like if I put on a worship song, a song about God and just his love and, and just how big he is, that I could get the eyes off of me and my situation. And that was ultimately for me, something I never predicted would happen, but that is how I started to be able to feel again. And it goes and it wavers though. Like you don't, you cannot say, okay, this is a good round because I felt it really well. And this isn't because I didn't feel it. I just had to trust it's still working. And this is just where I'm at right now. And if this specific visualization, I'm not getting there emotionally, at least I'm paving the way by being focused and putting my mind's attention on doing this that it's opening the door and it's like paving a way and eventually the feelings will come. That's what I did. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Patience. (laughs) It is a virtue. I think that this next question, I feel like you kind of answered some of it and everything you just talked about, but I want to ask anyways, just in case you have anything you want to add. The question is how does someone respond to committed retraining while not seeing changes in symptoms and how do they let go of a diagnosis in the fear? Yeah, I kind of answered some of that already, like you said. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that I would add is that if you're not seeing changes in the symptoms, it's not being done properly. I'm so sorry to say that because there's something going on. We don't want to even focus necessarily on seeing symptoms change because that's not where the work is happening. The work, it's going to be the fruit of what's happening internally. So you could choose to focus on any little wins that you have in changing their thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that you can see as wins. There are signs that your subconscious is changing. That helped me to stay very motivated um, along the way, those little tiny little things. The other thing, though, is sometimes we need a break from pushing if you find that you're striving and you're wanting to just stay committed. I don't know how long this person's been retraining, but there absolutely is a place for taking a break and being okay with that. And that, unfortunately, many people see that as giving up. And so they don't want to do that versus letting go and seeing like, I need a clear picture. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I need a clear picture. I don't have that clear picture. And so I'm going to step out of this situation and I'm going to let go and I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Now to let go of diagnosis and fear, one thing I would say is that I'm all about not trying to overcome doubt or fear. I'm about the more that you experience the truth, that the fear and those doubts will resolve themselves along the way. Because it can feel like you're trying to fight your own brain, your own thoughts. And so you've got to then I would say if you've been doing that, what you resist persists and you continue to reinforce it. And now, oh my gosh, I need to get rid of this this imagination or these beliefs about my diagnosis. I need to get rid of this fear. And it's just reinforcing, this is the problem that's in my way and I need to get beyond that. And if I don't get this out of the way, I can't get there. So again, it's saying, this is the process that I know that works. This is what I expect to happen. And therefore I have to go this way versus saying, hold on, maybe there's another way and that's when I say experientially embodying, like Chaz, you were saying, the, the, the new you, the truth. I always talk about truth and love ultimately is going to calm down fears. A lot of fears will go away on their own without you feeling like you had to somehow manipulate or rewire them. Things will calm down. So that's, the, that's what I would add to that. Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Next question, number seven, how do you address when new acute symptoms show up in your life to ensure they don't become chronic? Hmm. Well, I, like I said, I haven't had a lot of that personally in my journey with physical illness. I have certainly had things come up in my life that, cause I'm not perfect. None of us are, we are all human and where I've been caught up in some of those old pathways of thinking and feeling and acting that many would call, 
I guess in this world, they might say, oh, that's limbic. And so it's important for people to recognize that you are never going to get away from having, you know, either feeling discouraged or feeling fear or feeling stressed out about something. There's never, ever going to be a time in your life where you're walking in this perfect, blissful harmony in every single moment. It's just impossible. It's not attainable because life throws you curveballs, throws things at you. In my worldview, we live in a fallen world. There is an enemy and that Jesus even told us that their trials and tribulations will come. So that is going to happen and you are human. And it's a, I think that one thing that I've had to learn over time is that those are safe. I'm safe feeling if anger or, or even striving or sadness or something comes up that if you aren't there yet, you want to wire around feeling safe in that and that that's okay. And for me, I always go to the, what the Bible says. So the Bible trumps anything else that the world has ever told me. That's like, Oh, you got to think positively, feel good emotions. And that's how you're going to be healthy. The Bible actually tells us that blessed are those who mourn. And there's a lot there that to say about, you know, mourning and grieving. And so I had to realize I'm like, God's showing us like he made us with the capacity to feel these things. And so that's okay. And so that's one thing that I've certainly had to really, really hone in because I feel like when you get into the brain retraining world, you do get in often into I need to think, behave and feel perfectly or else I'm not going to be healthy. That is a complete extreme view that I know I took on. And it's not a healthy place to believe that you're ever going to get there. And if someone says that they are run from them, because they're either living in some self deception. And at some point, the world is going to come crashing down, or they're just not being honest. I will say personally, I was saying this to you before we got on, or we were just chatting before this, that this is kind of an interesting timing with me coming on here. Because like I said, I've really not had a lot of health issues, like physical health issues, but I've had some things come up in my life. And I've certainly had to bring out some of those tools along the way that I've used in in my relationship with with God, even um, to help to come out of, I mean, I say bondage, an imagination, like fear, just, a, just lots of things that have tried to come at me. I've absolutely had to do that in my journey with God and been humbled by him to come back to recognize, you know what, you're not above this and that you, you always are going to need to kind of clear out the junk that tries to come in, in your life and you're human and you have a heart and you're going to feel things. But recently um, I've had to walk out a bit of a, I guess you would call it a healing journey. I didn't realize I started actually doing um, visualizations again And it wasn't for this reason. It was now a few months ago, I had started my group coaching classes. And I felt like God had put it on my heart at the time as I was starting to lead by example. I really, really resisted that. I didn't want to. I had a lot of pride about it being like, nope, that's saying that I'm not healthy. That's saying that I need this. I just need my God. And it was very, there was like a pride associated with that. But God humbled me. And I said, okay. At first, it was like, I'm going to do this for other people. I don't need this, but I'm going to do this for other people. (laughs) And and then as I started going, I was like, I'm a complete prideful fool because I needed this. And, And it just all of a sudden just hit my heart of how much junk had gotten in that I thought that I hadn't let in, but really was cycling down underneath and probably would have festered up at some point in my life into some sort of a nervous breakdown if I hadn't been willing to humble myself and say that I need this. And and then recently, as I was going through this situation with a friend that I've cared for tremendously and have loved tremendously and have unfortunately unknowingly gotten myself into a bit of a trauma loop. Like we get deceived when we think that we're doing something good and I was loving and caring for this person, I thought I was doing the right things. And when they cut me out of their life, it was a really, really big deal for me to go through and release this person and trust God with them. And I realized I didn't trust God and I didn't realize that I was trying and I was stressing and I was trying to force and I was trying to, and it was really affecting me. And it was very much associated to my own trauma in the past and just their life journey. 
And as I let that go to God for the first time in this journey with this person, I actually experienced symptoms come back up. And I was like, wow. And I started to, um, this person, the memory of them started to trigger me back to my own trauma. And I was like, I had no idea that that was happening to me until I released this person. And then this started to come out of me. And it was because I was deceived into this, like, I, I have to do this for them. It's okay. I'll give up myself. It's like, I'm going to throw myself in front of the bus for this person because they need help and I'm okay. And I'm strong. And little did I know how much it was ultimately affecting me and my health behind the scenes. And so I did have some symptoms come back up that I had not seen in a long time. And so I've really wired through those fairly quickly because of where I've really gotten deep roots with God in my relationship. And I really, truly have released this person over to them. But I have seen that, wow, yep, here we go. I'm right back to using these tools again in this journey. And as much as it's not a formula, I've learned with my relationship with God, there's a pretty big blueprint that I've seen come up that I can come to with him and I can start to reuse my tools and the, and trust him and he navigates me out of that. So yeah, I would say it's important to recognize that there's always going to be a need for coming back to some of these things and that we tend to, we aren't vigilant. We do tend to end up going back to some of the things that we were very comfortable in being before we were sick. And, and I can see that in myself very much as someone who's been an achiever, an overachiever, it's really easy for me to get right back into that overachieving mode and not even recognize that I've left my peace and I've gotten over into, um, I guess, just overdoing it. So I don't know if that answers your question. If you have any follow-ups, please, I might've gone off (laughs) off a little bit. <laughs> no, you're good. But I was curious. So did you actually start retraining one hour a day again? No. So I'm not doing an hour a day. I did originally with my first class. And then I was like, this is too much. <laughs> so I kept reducing it. I'm only doing, I do one, I do really long um, visualizations or sessions, um, releases, rounds, whatever you want to call them. And so those are close to 30 minutes. I also, though, like I, I'm a person who, um, like I read the Bible a lot. I talk to God a lot. I ground myself in things throughout the day, knowing that I ultimately just can't do life on my own. And that's been such a humbling place because I was always that very independent person. So I don't know, couldn't give you an, a time figure of how much time I spend a day doing some form of whether you want to call it brain cleansing, remapping, whatever you want to call it, I don't really have because I think it's just become such a a part of who I am now in my walk. Like I went from being a complete atheist to somebody who has a very strong relationship with Jesus. So I live a very different life and I don't couldn't tell you whether or not it's normal because <laughs> it's just how I live my life. <laughs> if, if you're happy, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. And peace, have peace. And you see growth. I think that if you're seeing growth in your life, you're seeing more and more freedom come. You're starting to like light bulbs are coming on. Things are, yeah, like I just see increasing growth around me and I see deeper roots in me. And so I'm like, okay, something's going right. I can't say that I don't give myself the credit, but I also know that I can be a complete idiot at the same time and make really horrible decisions (laughs) and get off. And I'm okay to admit that like, yep, that's going to happen because I'm still just a human being. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So if there's somebody out there listening and they're like, okay, well, I don't really have like this relationship with God, but everything she's saying is really intriguing. And maybe I'd like to learn a little bit more and maybe I'll grab that Bible she keeps talking about. Where would you yeah. tell them to start? Ooh, very good question. Oh, I love that question. Ah, well, one, before even opening the Bible, I would suggest people, because the reality is that Jesus is a real, was a human being. There's complete historical facts out there. It cannot be denied if you ever look into who this man was that was on earth. So that was an important piece for me to get really grounded in is that, okay, 
this, these things really happen, not just in the Bible, but like you can look up, you can just look up historical facts about Jesus. You can find a, a ton of different evidence out there of just the life of Jesus. And so that was like, okay, so then what do I say about Jesus? So that's when the Bible came in and I was like, okay, I need to see this as like actual accounts. So I started in the gospel of John and you can get, you can download an online Bible called um, just the Bible app. U version, Y-O-U version is a one that I use. Tons of translations. So find a translation that you can read easily. So one is called the New Living Translation. That's really easy. There's actually one called the Passion Translation, which doesn't have the Old Testament, but that is super powerful. There's one called the Amplified. So that actually even expands on some of the words that they translate from Greek and from Hebrew. So that's something that I started with. And actually in the, the version app that you can get that's free, has thousands and thousands of little um, devotionals that you can go through or topics if you want to look up anxiety or what does the Bible say about this? You can actually look that up and you can go through just very quick, brief, daily little like a paragraph and like a few verses that'll help you. So I would say start there, open your heart to God because, you know, it took me a long time. But when I finally, my friend said to me, because I asked him like, okay, because I didn't believe in God. And I was like, well, how do you talk to God? Because he talked about talking to God. He's like, you just talk to him like he's in the room with you because he is like, he's a friend right there with you. And we've got to put him on a stool in a chair whatever it is. And so when I started to open my heart to God with that, he really showed up and he really showed me, yep, that I'm real. So yeah, that's where I would say to start. But the Bible has to be read from your heart, not from your head. And that's something where a lot of people get stuck is because their head doesn't comprehend it and their head doesn't believe it. But ultimately God's working on our hearts. And so for me, I knew when I believed in Jesus, was real because I was embarrassed. I legitimately was embarrassed when I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually believe God, Jesus is who he says he is. And there was such a huge wave of embarrassment in my head or my, really my heart too. Yeah. And then I just say, trust him and ask him to show you that he's real and he will. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. Now I'm going to ask one more question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. This is a broad one. It, it's basically you're a coach. You have lots of clients. I'm sure that you get lots of questions from all your clients. Do you have mm-hmm. just like in your head, one very common question that you get over and over and over again from clients? Hmm. <laughs> well, the first one that comes to my mind is, did you go through this? <laughs> that seems to be a very, like people really want to have somebody that they can relate to so that they can believe that they can heal. Mm-hmm. So as much as I know that's probably not the most intellectual question, but I really, I think it comes down to a main point is that we all feel different. And we all feel like our situation is unique and that there's such a doubt that gets in of this isn't going to work for me because, and then we disqualify ourselves. So that comes up a lot is that people are constantly looking for somebody to validate that what they're going through is okay and normal. So I see that quite a bit. And I think that's probably one of the benefits of having walking with a mentor through it is like, we don't, a lot of us go through these, these journeys where we're like medical mysteries. People don't believe you, you that you are truly as sick as the, you say you are because you don't look that sick or they think you're crazy because of the things that you've done. You, they think you're hypochondriac, all that kind of stuff. And it really wrecks a lot of our you know, self-esteem and just self-worth and feeling like a failure because we can't get out of this. And other people have been able to do this and they've been able to get better. And everyone's not telling us you know, what they're telling us they think we need to do. And so the value definitely of having that mentor is to, for a lot of people has been that there's somebody who gets what they've gone through and they they can guide them in the, in the process. So that's something that I see a lot of that's off the top of my head. Cause I have a million different questions that I feel like I can bring up (laughs) that people have asked me. That's a good one. That's a good place to start. Now, I asked you this question last time you came on the show, but I'd like to ask you one more time. Your answer might be the same. It might have changed. But if you could only share one message with the world for the rest of your life, what message would you want to share? Hmm. Goodness me. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. What would I Well, obviously, okay, beyond Jesus, because obviously for me, I'm like, that's absolute truth. The biggest, I probably would have said the exact same thing last time. And that is going to be that God's love heals and love, unconditional love, his motivation for creating this world. And everything, love never fails. And that ultimately, when we abide in that love, we learn to receive it. 
and we let ourselves be loved to the point where you feel like you're really self-centered and selfish about it, that ultimately it frees so many chains in our lives and actually frees us to even just love other people and not be so self-focused. And so I think my biggest message of life is always like, man, if you let yourself learn to experience and receive that love, it's literally like a fountain that comes and fills you up and overflows and just touches everybody around you. Yeah, you're not really just, you're here and you're content and you're peaceful and you're satisfied and you're just able to spread that to other people. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. How could people connect with you? Oh, BriaKatrin.com is my website. And then I have, I am on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's it. So BriaKatrin, yeah.com. All right. Thank you so much, Bria, for joining me. And yeah, just being willing to, through your own personal experience, share some answers from the listener submitted questions. And I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It was an honor. Thank you for having me. Of course. That's all for today. As always, I hope today's episode inspired hope in your hearts or gave you some practical insights that you can begin to integrate into your healing journey today. If you did find value in today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and on your social media. And don't forget to tag me on the gram at our power is within. And if you have not done so already, click subscribe today to make sure you don't miss next week's episode, which is going to be juicy. All right, y'all. Until next time, make this week great.